0: Hi, I'm Jackson Tyler, the editor and host of Trash Ratio. I just wanted to give a little heads up about the audio quality this week. We had to record with Kyle in a Barnes & Noble in New York. So, understandably, uh, the quality is a little less than usual. But we have done our best we could. The discussion is actually some of the best you have ever had. Uh, We talk about Ralph Bakshi's heavy traffic and we talk about Revenge of the Sith because Destiny's completed her Star Wars journey. But it's, uh, yeah, I just heads up about the Skype call. And apart from that, it's a great episode. So sit down, enjoy the podcast. It's only 40 minutes long this week. Have fun, go. Hello everybody, it is the Ides of November. This is Trashback Ratio. Hello. Hello. Uh, I am Jackson Tyler. With me as always is Destiny Sturdevant. Hello. Kyle Turner. Hey there. Hey, and Matthew Marco. Hi. Hi. How's everyone doing? How's this month gone? What's uh what's month up with just started. You're right, Yeah. you're right, look. I mean, it's... the
1: listeners don't know, but I mean, I've just gotten into the one myself.
0: How's uh, The Long November gone so far?
2: Well, I'm halfway into my novel by now.
0: <laughs> I thought about it, and then I was like, no, I'm too busy.
2: I'm done. I'm, I've, I've I'm... done my time, I won three times, I'm good.
0: You won? You
1: were the, yeah. the best novel?
2: No. No, you I... win
1: when you finish it. Oh, okay.
3: I have never attempted such a thing because I cannot write fiction. But I'm dipping my toes into fiction again Hooray. and writing a short story based on my experiences in Provincetown. Nice.
0: Uh, I have a book I need to write soon because I want to. I guess uh, I wrote a script and was like, oh, "This should be a book. I'll do this." But yeah, fiction writing. A, what about films? Because that's what this podcast is
3: about. Anyone seen any films recently? Who wants to go first? I'd like to go first. Okay, Kyle. Cool, I, cool. uh, I, um, watched with a couple of friends of mine, um, this film called Creep by Patrick Bryce. Um, and it's by the same guy who did The Overnight, which apparently kind of flew under the radar. I haven't seen it, but it's about this guy named Aaron, I think, and he's answering a Craigslist ad, and when he gets to this random cabin in the woods, it's fan footage, uh, he, is at the behest, spending time with this other guy, played by Mark Dupless, and recording the entire day, um, because the man, Mark Duplass's character, um, has brain cancer, and he wants to make a video for his, as yet unborn child. Um, and, it's he, Mark Dupless comes off as kind of weird and, um, maybe over-exuberant in terms of how he manifests his feelings. And it, it ends up being kind of a um, a conventional horror movie to some degree. Oh. But it's able to sustain tension very well. However, I think it's a very... I have, like, I have issues with the film because it seems to be this manifestation of heterosexual gay panic. The entire thing. I, I'm still undecided as to whether it's a critique of that or if it just is a gay, uh, gay panic as a horror movie because the lead guy who um, whom we are experiencing these events through because it's found footage um is off-put by by mark duplass's um actions and the way that he presents himself um as more affectionate and i guess more sensitive than um I guess, conventional mas- heterosexual masculinity is mm-hmm. usually adhe- adherent to. And so he's the quote-unquote creep. And, like, the worst nightmare for um, a conventional heterosexual male is to answer a Craigslist ad and find out that the guy is creepily into you and becomes a stalker. and It's just really, really annoying to me. Um, and like formally it's it's can be interesting but um subtextually i am very much bothered by it i think it's worth a watch because only in as much as i seem to be the only one who came away with that reading of the film but yeah uh
0: is it one of those cases of this would be fine but everything is this so existing in i don't know what you mean like existing in a world in which that narrative is the only one that is often reinforced makes this one individual instance of it more egregious than just
3: had it existed in a world where yeah, you were way more see, I don't think there's an yeah, no, I don't think there's... I don't think there's enough self-awareness in the film mm-hmm. for it to be a critique of this particular attitude towards um, queer identity or even the idea of a fluid presentation as far as like emotions go. It just seems to be that thing, mm-hmm. and that bothers me a lot because it comes off as as a, a it comes off as the worst thing possible like the worst thing possible is to encounter this kind of person
0: mm-hmm.
3: because they, they end up being a, a serial killer
0: yeah but uh, that's that's interesting if a bit disappointing uh, what about Matt or Destiny, who wants to go next?
1: Um, I guess I'll go. Um, oh, I watched, uh, the Clone Wars movie. Is that that one? Hmm? Same.
2: Yeah. No, 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 she, she, you meant Revenge of the Sith, Destiny.
1: Yeah, whoops, Revenge of the Sith. Oh, those are two very different movies. Yeah, I'm like, what am I talking about? I already watched that. Yeah, so, um, alright it wasn't bad
0: it it wasn't good either but it wasn't horrible you know what do you, th- what do you think and now you've come to the end of the long long journey of Star Wars
1: I don't know why they decided to make the prequels the way that they made them like instead of telling the story of Anakin I feel like they could have just done a bunch of like interesting in universe stories about different things around that world Instead of focusing on this one thing. Or at least if they were going to focus on that one thing, they should have focused less on, like, the weird political acts, uh, political actions, and-, and-, and more on, like,
0: I don't know, anything but, right? <laughs> <laughs> Literally anything else.
1: Yeah, anything else. Anything! I mean, like, I will admit that, like, Anakin's whole arc is fascinating to me only in the sense that uh, that's a Bummer of a movie, and yet they've made all these TV shows that take place after the fact, where Anakin is like the hero. Yes. And I don't, I don't understand how they can do that in a way that is leading up to him being Darth Vader, and then like, how are they going to make that
0: work for their audience? Like, I, I, I just think, well, they just on. don't. They just like think, oh, this is going to be a dissonance, but oh well, we're going to work with it and make our own cool thing. That's what Clone Wars feels like to me.
1: Okay, I mean, I guess, that's fine. I mean, I guess they don't really have a choice. So that 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 whole dissonance is super interesting to me because I
0: find it, uh, really weird. Well, they they keep the idea of Anakin Skywalker is eventually gonna become Darth Vader. Like that's constant in any of this like other Clone Wars stuff. But yeah. They what the reasons for this and his like characterization and the nuances there are different.
1: Yeah, cause he's, he's like really ruthless He's a child killer Or excuse me, he's a youngling killer <laughs> He's he's, Same thing. The worst. he's so gross Well, I just mean like Using the parlance of the film Um Yeah, no, super upsetting So uh It's hard for me to even look at Darth Vader Like Target has all these Christmassy Darth Vader shirts And I'm like, don't make him cute He's a murderer <laughs>
0: <laughs> He killed the
3: younglings you know <laughs>
1: He's kind of like
3: Freddy Krueger in a
0: way.
1: <laughs> yeah, but at least Freddy Krueger's funny. You know? Like, he's funny, he's charming. He's worse, not
3: worse,
1: No, I mean, he's, he's... awful, but like, he, he was a cartoon from the word go. Whereas Darth Vader is, you see him first as this villain. You know? Like, you don't see him... Making puns before he kills anybody, <laughs> and I'm not, and I'm not saying like Freddy Krueger is a better man or anything. I'm just saying like the marketing and the writing and the character is there. It's not as
0: inconsistent. The context of a slasher film is so different to this is the ch- the like hero for this decade for all the children. He will yeah, kill Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: so like Freddy Krueger is never viewed as a hero, but he is viewed as like a funny guy that's real silly. Uh, even though he murders kids in their sleep. Like, Darth Vader is not charming. He's just this weird, sad kid who later kills kids to save his own kid. And then, <laughs> uh, it doesn't work out. And then, I mean, it's a tragic backstory. Don't get me wrong, but I just feel like it was really silly. I, I-, I do enjoy that they kind of make it his own choice instead of this thing that he couldn't help but get into. Because um, I think that's more interesting, but... Hmm.
0: Yeah, I was talking to Matt when you'd both seen the film about this, and Matt had an interesting, like, read on the way the film presents uh, Anakin's
3: downfall.
2: Let's hear it. Oh, uh, so for me, one of the things that I think is really interesting about that, as opposed to most, like, tragic hero fiction, is that Anakin isn't, like... And it's only interesting if you invest in Anakin, and that requires you to either be, like, a child or to watch Clone Wars, but... Uh Anakin's a character who's like given every opportunity to like save the day and be the good guy everyone wants him to be and that he wants to be and, and when push comes to shove he just chooses the wrong thing like there's no like impossible situation that he couldn't possibly have overcome there's no like fatal flaw that like he was tricked or anything it's not like the villain is better than him in fact the villain is totally defeatable and almost and defeated until he chooses otherwise it's just anakin making the choice to do the thing that is like clearly wrong like he knows it's wrong and he makes it that choice anyway But is i think isn't that, i think that's really interesting isn't
0: that like all tragic stories though
2: like no because you have characters who like have like this fatal flaw where like oh they're like they're like too ambitious so their ambition blinds them to the truth anakin knew the truth <laughs> He just chose the the evil thing. Yep.
0: Because I I like I guess I feel like most tragic stories are all built around giving the uh, character options to choose the right thing, but then the fatal flaw, uh, whatever, uh, means they choose the other thing. But in this, he just he's not developed enough of a character to have a well defined, like attachable flaw. He's Mm. just just being a fool. His
1: flaw is just you're going to be Darth Vader, and we didn't know what else to do with this character.
2: I I think you can. I think you'd be more generous than that, and still be make an interesting piece of fiction. (laughs) Especially in light of like Um, the Clone Wars doing a lot to redeem that character.
3: Kyle, you were gonna say? I, I don't hate Revenge of the Sith. There are actually, I think, forty five minutes, and it becomes a pretty solid film. um, Because even though there isn't necessarily the foundation that. to make it really great, there's still an emotional potency that interests me, um, that serves as an interesting core to that film.
0: It's it's Ewan McGregor acting his heart out. He, he does kill it. He does kill it. He saw a security hologram of Anakin killing younglings.
1: That was sad, yes. and like seeing all those dead kids, that <sighs> would have I, given I, me nightmares. For a child. I don't
3: know, I I think I think Caden Christensen, even though he's a very bad actor, there are moments in Revenge of the Sith that he really does bring it, like him screaming I hate you at the end, I think is really great uh, yep.
1: I don't disagree, I I guess I did like that moment, but he's melting ugh, oh, so gross <laughs> yeah, I think
0: the end of the film is something that had it been placed after nine hours of different movies, could actually have worked just fine uh Whereas the hours it is placed after do not give it the weight that it wants to have. Right. It's still okay. It's still fine.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's not as bad. I, I really did like it much more, and people kept saying to me, oh, you're only going to like this one because the other one was so bad. But I don't think that's true. I think it actually holds up
0: fine. Yeah, you have good perspective on this stuff.
1: Yeah, I feel like
0: I do. Yeah. Matt, did you have a different one, or is that is that you No, two? no, I, uh, I saw the
2: 1987 movie Monster Squad recently, uh, which is uh, written by Shane Black and Fred Decker and directed by uh, Decker. Uh, it's about a bunch of kids in the 80s who are really into horror movies, and they basically stumble across this plot of the universal monsters all coming back to life and trying to take over the world, led by Dracula. And in the way that only a group of teenage, or not teenage, of 80s children can do, they decide to stop evil through uh, slapstick hijinks for the most part. Uh, and I, i like heard of this movie a lot as like a cult classic. And then it came on Netflix recently, and me and Destiny watched it. And I was super delighted that this was just this great, like, kind of like spooky themed kids' movie about these kids just getting into adventures with like the Wolfman and Frankenstein and stuff. Uh like all the monsters are really well made and the the movie is like genuinely funny in like the a way that like like it's full of like the kids are coarser and ruder than any kid would be allowed to be in the last twenty years. Like they say some shit they would just not be in a movie made for children anymore. Mm-hmm. Um a lot but, of homophobia,
1: a lot yeah. of uh <laughs> Yep. Uh, Shane Black.
2: There's like there's, like, the tough kid who rides on a bike and wears a leather jacket who's just, like, smoking, even though he's, like, 13 the entire time. 80s uh, movie! Yeah. Uh, it's a good time. I liked it a lot. I was really delighted by it. Uh, I highly recommend it to anybody, really. It's cool. I wish I had seen it as a kid. I would have loved that movie.
0: Yeah, it sounds like that you would. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but it sounds pretty cool. Uh, I guess I'll go, and then before we get into our movie club movie... Um, I have been continuing on my film degree, so I saw a bunch, but I guess the one I'll, I'd mention is that I finally saw The Maltese Falcon. Yay! Yeah, that movie's good. I had a good time with it. Surprise. It is... I, I don't mean this as, like, a backhanded compliment. It's, like, just incredibly watchable. Uh, like, the way it just moves from scene to scene is just super well-paced, and everything is... um very purposeful i don't know how to express it is very functional and doesn't have a weak moment as a as like a real compliment because it sounds like i'm just saying it passes the basis level of expectation when what i mean is it's just a like the exactly what you want for a a noir film and it's one of the first ones of those actually because it's basically the thing that popularized that big genre right i don't know yes yeah Yeah. um...
3: It's it's that one and Citizen Kane that are credited with being the first of the noir cycle. Although noir wasn't coined until a few years later in France.
0: I, I've, I've seen both of those. This is way more that than Citizen Kane. I feel like
3: Citizen Kane still counts.
0: It counts, but this
1: is. I
3: like... just don't think of it
1: as one. Yeah. I know. Yeah.
3: Most people like most people aren't not not to sound condescending, but the people who aren't like. um uh, mired in Latin genre semantics generally don't think of Ciz Kane as film noir, but it still follows a lot of the same um, tropes and conventions that
2: uh, film noir has been characterized by. Yeah, especially formalistically. Like, maybe not as much storytelling-wise, but formalistically, that is a noir movie through and through.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just not one I associate. Like, when I think of noir, I don't think of that movie.
0: Yeah, well, the difference is like, this: mostly Falcon begins with Woman walks into private detective's office. Is dubious in many ways. Tragedy ensues. Like... What's shaking dicks? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, that's that's the beat by beat how to noir uh, instruction booklet that I just made. But yeah, yep. it, was, it was it was good fun. I don't really have anything uh, else to like go deep into other than I'm glad I am doing this course and seeing all these movies. I also watched uh, Black Narcissus, which is a movie. I love that movie. It was right. And, I think it's gorgeous. It's definitely gorgeous.
1: It's like nuns in that church and then the, like they're just inside being British and outside is the jungle being jungly, and then there's all this sexual repression. Everybody wants to bone that dude, but they can't because they're nuns and it's He's like just coming in su- like hi. Hi <laughs> nuns. Super I'm Super a dude. Beautiful. <laughs> Super <laughs> beautiful Technicolor.
0: Just like, oh, love that movie so, so And there's much. that one nun who's just the most past human being I've like, yep. ever seen in film ever just like, fine, I'll make the fucking tea. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's, that's a really great Michael Powell movie. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah,
0: so, uh, those are the movies that we've seen recently. I guess we're gonna speed along because this is a Shorter recording slot than we usually have, and talk about the movie club movie this month, which Matt chose. Matt, what was the movie club movie that you chose? The movie
2: club movie is Ralph Bakshi's uh, 1973 Heavy Traffic. Um, It is the second of his rated X movies after Fritz the Cat. Uh, Fritz the Cat was really successful, and thus he had some extra throw around money, or his producer did, I guess. Ralph Bakshi, uh, got basically screwed out of all the profits from Fritz the Cat, uh, because his producer took them all. But, um, he made this movie. He basically was like, I'm tired of making movies about animals. Animation could be more than that. And so he tried to make something that was kind of autobiographical and also like riffing on the same stuff that, like, Fritz the Cat was adapted from like an R. Crumb, uh, comic, which actually isn't like as like sexual and violent and everything as the actual movie makes it out to be. Um, because I, if I, I'm not 100% on this, but I'm pretty sure R. Crumb didn't quite have the reputation that he does now when that movie came out. Um, but, uh, this was his attempt to make like a gritty New York uh, drama. It was also really successful because apparently porn theaters made a lot of money playing Fritz the Cat because they were the only ones who would do it because it was rated X. And so they happily accepted this movie. Um, and that's it. I don't know. It's the story of a young cartoonist in New York, uh, named Michael Corleone, uh, who gets in adventures dealing with the tensions of immigrant culture in New York in the seventies.
0: Yeah. So that's what I got. (laughs) Who, who wants to go first Kyle? What did Kyle, what did you think of heavy traffic?
3: I can appreciate it as a historical artifact, but this is not for me, Mm -hmm. not for me at all. Um, Not necessarily because of its content, so to speak, being offensive to me. Um, which I'm ambivalent about, but mostly because it's just very foreign to me because it, exists in, it ex- exists in a world and a culture that I'm not familiar with, and which is very alienating to me and made me uncomfortable. And I suppose I can give it its due in, in that respect. But it kind of reminded me of all the people that I hear talk about, all the, uh, the people that I meet who complain about New York not being the way that it was. And I'm like why are you complaining about that? I, I understand gentrification is a bad thing, but also there's uh, definitely romanticizing romantic aspect to the way that they speak. And I felt that the world that Bakshi was illustrating was very romantic and very off putting to me. Um, but I thought it was aspects of it were interesting. And I thought the fact that it was very loosely connected and seemed to be um, not necessarily invested in its characters, but enjoyed following them around from place to place with kind of um, uh fly-in-the-wall perspective was interesting. And formally, it was occasionally interesting. So, yeah, that's my take.
0: Cool. Uh, I guess I'll go next. Um, I was mostly just, like, baffled by the movie. Um, I think it's a way b- more interesting piece of like animated work than anything i have seen in the last like made in the last decade uh, i don't think it's i don't mean to say that animation has become less interesting but the stuff that is mainstream like something like this would never have the same reach today except maybe landing on something on youtube i guess that's where r- ridiculous weird experimental stuff like this um gets let's like uh like a, a new life uh so, it was like astounding in one respect of just the de- garishness of it, but I didn't um, find the film that enjoyable. I thought the there was like a nihilism to it that I found on, um, uh, I guess, just not like it was all like to what end? Everyone was awful to everyone all the time, and. I didn't really understand what the point of it all, except was to say New York's bad a lot of the time, and this is all the things we have to struggle with. But it doesn't really... It d- didn't... I don't know. It just It felt very off-putting. And maybe, like Carl said, there's like a culture that you have to be in to appreciate this kind of stuff. But uh, I found a lot of what the film was doing rather off-putting in that sense. I want to go next. To- Disney, go.
1: I don't know if I liked this movie. Hmm. I liked things about it. Like, I liked the... I don't think it was romanticizing anything. I just think that's what New York was like. And he just was catching it like a documentarian. Um, and, like, I looked up a little bit about his background. And it just seems like he was just sort of putting his own sort of experiences of the world around him into the movie. And I and I respect that. I just... It, um, I didn't really like a lot of the... Just... I don't know, I'm kind of over the idea of, like, being overtly, like, sexual or, like, dealing with racist sort of topics and stuff as, like, groundbreaking in that era, because it just, I don't know, it it was always white guys doing it, and that always bothers me, it's never,
2: like, Mm -hmm.
0: it's it's always being praised, and it's always white guys doing it. It felt very South Park in that sense. I
2: don't yeah. know if I would agree with that.
0: I don't know. That what? was a takeaway. Which of part? Art- the
2: South Park thing or the... Like, specifically, like, this idea, like, for one, like, in the 1970s, Ralph Bakshi's ethnicity is way more nuanced than you would read it today.
1: No, you're right. But it just, I just don't, I don't know. Like, it just kind of gets tiring when it's just, like, people being awarded accolades for portraying your race when they're not your
2: race sure but like to me that movie is as much about this like clash of like jewish culture and immigrant like italian culture as it is about like the black people and characters in it
1: and that stuff is stuff that he's
2: speaking directly to
1: i just don't think he does a good job at it that's Mm. all like i'm not saying that he has no right to do it i just didn't think it was well done like If I were a black person in the 70s, this movie would... I would be protesting it. I would think it was disgusting. But, like, as the person that I am now, like, I understand kind of his point of view, like, but I just don't... I don't know, it's just a little tiring to just... to see the guy who's not black be like, well, this is cool to me, so I'm just gonna put it in this movie because black people are cool. It's the stuff Tarantino does that is also mm. tiring, you know? Like I'm that's what I thinking in my head actually. Yeah, like and I you know Jingo and is one of my favorite favorite movies, but I just don't like it just gets old. Um and 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 like I try to, you know, put it in context, because it wasn't old at the time, but it's still annoying that it's not a black person that gets to express race in this way. It never ever is. Um also uh Well, let's go back on, like, the more positive stuff. Like... (sighs) You made me lose my train of thought, because you interrupted me. Uh, I'm sorry. No, it wasn't you, it was Matt. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Um... I don't know, like, animation-wise, I always like movies that mix live-action and animation. That never gets old, that'll always be impressive.
0: I agree with that. I think the way like a, the way a scene transition would be done by the same cycle of animation, but the background like shifting out and the way it did it uh more abstract backgrounds mixing them with live action was really cool.
1: It also pleased me that like they would like like at the end of the movie, you just see characters that were all over the animation, but they're in live action and they're wearing the same clothes and somehow they don't look like cartoons. Like that was funny to me. I, that that's always a funny thing.
0: Uh, I guess I know Matt was the person who chose it. And I think Matt is the most positive on it, so I'd like to hear what Matt's okay.
2: yeah. Uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say I think this movie is like great or anything, <laughs> but I enjoyed watching it. I think that there is cause to like give it more credit than I think Destiny does. Um, like, would I prefer that black filmmakers were making these kind of movies in their era that were like this? Yeah, absolutely. But they in a culture in which that stuff wasn't possible, like, you weren't going to get a black director to direct an animated film about New York in the 70s. Um I think oh. that Bakshi's version of that is not, like, I don't think it's dissimilar to, like, the first half of Do the Right Thing. Like, the New York it depicts is one that these people just live with these, like... Everyone is angry at each other all the time for reasons that no one is, like, able to figure out from their unlimited perspective. And I think that's just the truth of that experience. Uh, and I didn't movie- say
1: it wasn't. I was just mm-hmm. saying it was just frustrating that it was coming from somebody who wasn't black. That's all I said. I didn't mm-hmm. say it wasn't valid. I didn't say it was unrealistic. I just said that that stuff makes me tired. That's fair. Like, um, I wasn't trying to discredit his experiences.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and thus, like, as, like, this examination of the culture of that era, like, there's that stuff of the, this, uh, when he's, when the, the character's, like, really coded as, like, potentially gay in the first half of the movie, uh, the lead, which I think is really interesting, uh, to where, like, his friends are trying to get him to hook up with women and his parents get him to hook up with women to, like, prove that he's a man. And there's that scene where his, like, gangster friends or whatever basically, like, beat each other to death with like flashes of like posing men as he failed to have sex with a girl. And this is like this implication of this homoeroticism to machismo and the panic that instills in men that I think is like really prescient and really well-made. Like that's probably my favorite sequence in the movie. Um, I love that it drifts between animation styles. There's a whole sequence that's done in like sketchbook and there's a whole sequence that's uh, basically like a 1930s, like black and white cartoon uh, that's like really incredibly made um I think the things the movie has to say are like I think it's really telling that like Jackson and Kyle specifically had opinions like this movie doesn't represent the culture that they understand because this is a movie about a culture that thankfully doesn't exist anymore, I feel like yeah, and of- i like I like that we can look at a movie from fifty years ago and see like be horrified that our world doesn't represent that world anymore mm-hmm. uh, I find movies like this like it makes me feel oh, better about where we are as like a, as a as a like a culture and a species when i see something like this
1: they're uh. great time capsule pieces like i feel that way about taxi driver <laughs> i feel that way about like a lot of those 70s new york films are just fascinating time capsules
2: I mm. but
3: yeah I would mean- you
2: the... sorry go ahead Kyle. no go ahead
3: um i would argue that it's not as formally interesting as something like head or yellow submarine as interesting as it might be in terms of its flashes of photography and its use of sketchbook i think um yellow submarine and head do similar things in much more coherent ways
2: i and would earlier, argue, i believe i would argue that neither of those are about like animation as a form as much as this is though
1: i feel like well, okay remember the scene where he goes into that a professional guy's office to pitch his comic to him, and the yeah. guy dies because it's, like, way too much for him.
2: Yeah, it's the sketchbook. Like,
1: yeah, like, that's the whole, like, that that schism between, like, mainstream animation and, like, the underground stuff, like, I think that it's not supposed to look or feel... Like, it, the point is, like, it's this messy thing that, like...
2: Oh, sure. We're talking specifically from... about what it says.
1: Oh, okay. About the form. I, I, I don't know. I think it's important that this exists up against movies like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, aren't those movies older than this one? So, like, this one has a, yes. a lot more stuff it's borrowing from. And I read that a lot of uh, his stuff was being rejected by, like, Hannah Barbera because they thought it was too corny and too, like, old-fashioned, which I thought was interesting. Because <laughs> he seems almost like the opposite as far as, like, my 2015, animation brain is concerned.
0: What I liked about it, formally speaking, is that because of its whole identity and the way it was this very lower class movie um, in how it was portrayed, there was like uh, an ability to experiment with formally without any kind of elitism. Because I feel mm. like formal experimentation is so often a Ooh, look at what I'm doing. Like a, I don't know. Like it isn't. It isn't accessible and it doesn't come within art that's like very lowbrow deliberately and has this wide appeal and i like that it was able to be both this very um uh like broad and accessible film but also formally really um daring i guess and it was able to be both of those things at the same time
2: yeah uh one of my favorite scenes of that movie is where he goes to the movie theater and he's just watching an actual movie play out mm-hmm. Uh, And the movie feels like because it's just the movie, it feels like hyper real compared to everything else we've seen. And like you get the sense that the characters in that world like go to movies to feel something more real than their own life, which is just like this weird hellscape that they live in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you get like one of the most impressive shots, which is like the the clockwork orange pullback. Yeah, Yeah, that is clearly riffing on that. But it's just that long pullback in the theater where he's all by himself on the balcony. It's so good.
0: It's great, and just remembering, oh, right, this is what theatres used to look like.
2: Yep.
1: What blew my mind is, like, there was an era where just people just went to dirty movie theatres. Like, that was just a thing that everybody did. You weren't just a creep if you did that. That was just Mm -hmm. something people did. That's always going to be kind of interesting to me. Yep.
2: So, I don't know, like... I, f- I fully get everyone's complaints about this movie, and I think that's fair. I think none of them are unjustified. I just think it's, like, still worthy of, like, consideration as part of, like, what it's saying in its era.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm glad that it exists. Like I said, like, oh, the yeah, Michael, sure. like I just feel like, I don't know, I, I don't want to sit through, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I I just, like, the way that Blackness is portrayed in a lot of these movies, I just feel like it's, it's, Never deep enough like I thought it was nice that, that, that the whole thing is a love story between him and Carol but she's not really much of a character
2: but like she's as much of a character as the heroines of exploitation films
1: yeah but those are made by white guys too
2: I know. I know, uh,
0: but with th- I think the difference with this is that this film is explicitly trying to portray a uh, slightly more nuanced take on these cultures. But then count- I don't think
2: I don't think it's trying to be I mean, more nuanced about the cultures. No, no, no I think I, no. F- f- for
0: specifically for the two parents, right? Because it's got this Jewish parent and this Italian parent.
2: I think I think it's trying to portray the reality of the tensions by making everyone a horrible cartoon,
1: like a stereotype. Yeah, because I yeah. mean, it's like knowingly dabbling in stereotypes. Like, I mean the fact that like the mom has a knife on her and yeah just all these like but like it, it knows what it's doing yeah. it's it's not ignorant like it's not like i didn't know any better like he knows what he's doing
3: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah no i'm yeah uh i don't know has anyone got any more any more thoughts on the movie of the clubs
1: you don't really have anything else to say I'm glad we watched it because this is like maybe the third of his movies I've seen, maybe two- second. I don't even know. I- cool World was a childhood staple, so he will always have my heart for that.
3: <laughs> this is my first
2: exposure.
1: You should we'll, see Cool World. We'll always delightful. have Cool World. We'll
2: always have. We'll always have the animated Lord of the Rings.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. I've never seen that. I, I have never seen that. It's, it's, it's not good. The cat. It's okay. The first
0: version of Lord of the Rings I saw. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, that was this month's movie club. Heavy traffic. Thank you for choosing it, Matt. Also, it was 77 minutes long, which is always great. Yep, yeah, I know. thanks for that. That was good. Uh, next month's yeah. movie club is going to be my choice. It is also short, it is the 1991 movie Glengarry Glenross. Finally, I get to see this. Yeah, which is a film I watched a couple of years ago uh, and really liked it. I want to talk about that. I think it'd be an interesting discussion. And I'll watch that again whenever. I have complicated David Mammoth thoughts. So, okay. So I will share them with you all next time. It's on American Netflix, so you can see it really easily. Yep. Thanks. No problem. Uh, but we didn't get any questions, unfortunately. Okay. But that's just how it goes when it's just that just how it goes sometimes so i guess we're going to plug and go away uh because this is going to be a short episode where kyle's recording in a barnes and noble somewhere on the other side of the world uh the future is here uh i am at Headfuls off on twitter you can find me there i also do abnormal mapping with matt and com is where a bunch of other stuff goes and I'm on Zone as well as the other podcasts, which is great with Destiny. Um, how about you, Matt?
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MBeing, E-M underscore being. Uh, and I uh, host Abnormal Mapping. Check out our YouTube channel, go to AbnormalMapping.com. Jackson's writing about Metal Gear. He's bad at Mario 3. I'm okay at Fallout New Vegas. It'll never end. The train just keeps on rolling. I don't know.
0: Destiny.
1: I'm at Ridge Buzz now on Twitter. All oh, one word, no underscores or anything fancy like that. And, um, com. on GoobZone with Jackson, Abnormal Mapping with Matt and Jackson. I'm here. And, uh, you'll probably be seeing some internet writing from me very, very soon, but Whoa. I'm not going to tell you where yet because I don't quite know the details. <laughs> so <laughs> you, just check it out on Twitter and you'll
0: find out. And let's see if Kyle's internet is going to hold together enough to give us his plugs. That's the It's
3: not.
0: Nope. No. <laughs>
3: um. Well. Okay. Anyway, uh, you, can find me. you can find me at uh, um, No, Kyle, this isn't <laughs> going to work. work no
2: one can understand you, Kyle.
3: You can find me on Twitter, at Tyler Kerner, T-Y-L-E-K-U-R-N-E-R. And I freelance around on the web. You can find all my writing at TylerKerner.tumblr.com. Please check out my, uh, my essay on Goldeneye, the James Bond film on Playboy.com, and my piece on Xavier Dolan and Adele's music video on Esquire.com.
1: Cool. Dang. 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 Sweet Dang. Bonks.
3: Dang. <laughs> Dang. Dang. Some hustle to the patriarchy one check at a time.
1: You know what? Playboy is trying to detangle itself, so good for you.
3: (laughs) Dang.